All right, figuring out family. So this week, I am thrilled to present another banger episode to you. I had the opportunity to interview the Sheldon Roberts. Sheldon Roberts is a Golf Digest Top 50 Golf Performance Trainer. He's based out of Los Angeles at Urban Golf Performance. UGP might ring a bell with you. You might have seen them on everyone's favorite Netflix series called Full Swing. Uh, They were featured in the Colin Morikawa episode. So this one's all about golf fitness. Fitness is something that I'm pretty passionate about. When I think about the life I want to live, fitness is definitely a cornerstone for that. So this is interesting because we really get into, you know, more golf-specific training, uh, which I need to incorporate more of because my program sort of locks that. So uh, I really think this is a high value episode um, because everyone wants to hit the ball farther. Everyone probably has mobility that they need to work on. Everyone can always get stronger. So this one's for you. Sheldon's a really great guy, super knowledgeable trainer, but he's also a stick. He held the course record at Rams Hill briefly, but he still held it, which is badass. He's also around a scratch. Um, he can get to plus, so he's, he's dangerous. He's definitely got to give me some strokes out there. Hope to play with him sometime in June of this year, so we'll see how it goes. If you're a new listener, my name is Daniel Badaraka. I'm all about providing different perspectives in the world of golf. Check out my past interviews and do me a favor. Give me a follow on Spotify or wherever you're consuming these podcasts. I hope you enjoy this episode. Also, give Sheldon a follow as well. His Instagram is Sheldon underscore UGP. Posts a lot of really valuable content about movement, about strength, about mobility, all related to golf. So Sheldon, again, I really appreciate you, man. I had We had a lot of laughs in this one. I really enjoyed um, just having you on. And I look forward to, again, seeing you, but maybe we do it again. Here it is, fam. Hope you enjoy. Sheldon Roberts, baby. What's good? Nothing much, man. How are you? Dude, I'm pumped to have you on. I'm pumped to have you on. I appreciate the invite, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, so you're pretty big time. I mean, top 50 Golf Digest, top golf <laughs> trainers. That's huge, man. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a huge success. I wouldn't say I'm big time at all, though. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, it's just actually being recognized for what I do. But, I mean, I wouldn't honestly be here, like, honestly, without the help of a lot of people, honestly, that I work with, like, the team that I work around with. So, like, I'm just uh, I'm just another person that ended up just being recognized, but like it's it's a lot of different people that had a hand in it, so I'm not big time at all. So yeah, hey, we love it. <laughs> we I love pre- the accolades, right? You, you would <laughs> definitely put that on your resume, though. Come on, right? No, hundred percent. Like it's it it's, it's for sure something that I wanted. So it's not to say it's not it's just like ah, it's just just something that, but like it's something I actually wanted. So like when I got into the industry, so I got into the industry what. Five, five years ago now, and I believe this is the uh, second iteration that they that they have done since that point. So the first time it came around, they were like, "Hey, we're bringing this back." As far as like recognizing the the golf fitness range, I was like, "Oh, this is pretty cool." And I put my name in the hat. Of course, it was my first year, so nobody really knew of me. And then I just continued to grind again, like the team I'm with, and like being with a company I'm at as well. It's like started to get recognized. I did my social media thing as well, so started to like reach out to different people in the industry and then people started to know my name and then just continued to grow from there. It's like, I, I, I did some things as well, but like, yeah, no, it's definitely something that I wanted and I'm for sure happy that it's, it, it made it's way Sheldon, to It's the there. first thing on your Instagram, man. <laughs> yeah. It's something I'm very proud of. No, I, yeah. No, and again, I'm super pumped to have you on. Like, it's it's amazing to have a guy like you on because I'm I'm pretty passionate about fitness outside of golf and just like trying to live a healthy lifestyle. 
Um, you know, and, and golf is becoming, you know, more, I guess there's, there's just much more fitness, you know, kind of getting involved in golf. You're seeing things like full swing. You're seeing these guys kind of like work, um, and putting time in the, in the gym. So it's cool. All the distance stuff as well. Um, so you talked a little bit about, you know, the people who have supported you. So I kind of want to dial into that. Cause when you, when you look up UGP or urban golf performance online, you guys have a ton of locations, but from an outsider looking in, it looks super badass what you have going. So can we talk a little bit about UGP and what you guys kind of have cooking up there? Yeah. So like for people who aren't in LA, I guess you can say, um, full swing definitely like help put it on like a national scale. Um, because of course we work with Colin Warakawa. He trains with us. He's been working with us since he was at Cal um, and his coach as well. So like we've done that. And then of course it's only taken off. Yeah. They've gave him, they've given me my start from the get go. So uh, like this even goes back before them. Like I was in general population fitness and then I was looking for something a little more sports specific. Um, didn't know I would find myself in golf. And then as I found UGP, honestly, I was, I was pretty early on, I guess you can say. And then they, they gave me a chance. Like they, they liked what I basically it's more about the culture. It's not necessarily like how good of a trainer you are, but they're looking at the culture. So like that's, that's big as far as UGP is like, can you bring this culture forward? And that's, it brought me in, gave me a chance and I've been growing from there. So that full team, like as I came in, a lot of people much better than me, um, honestly, like the, of course people that work with Colin and all the other trainers that aren't actually uh, out there, I guess you can say as far as like being known, like I learn from them every single day. So we have a full team of people um, from the coaches. We have a recovery team of PTs, Kairos athletic trainers and we have golf coaches as well so like it's the largest uh golf performance facility and company there is like and it's only growing so i'm in the west la facility we have one in santa monica we have one in orange county and costa mesa and we also have one in Car carmel and then uh, there's another one coming hopefully this year it's like um in la so we're going to take over the la market and of course southern california market and just continue to grow so yeah i would i would never not appreciate them for like what they did as far as like giving me a start. So that's what I say. Like when I got to the top 50, as far as my name, my name is on there, but like there's a lot of other people that made it happen and made me a better trainer to actually get to that point. So I, I always congratulate them before I actually give myself the credit. Yeah. So what was that learning kind of period like going from, cause you'd mentioned GP, right? General population. What yeah. was that like going from GP to golf specific? Cause in GP, I'm assuming it's more of like, you're getting guys who want to like lose weight or, or build muscle, right? Like how, how is that transition like, or what was that like from you going from GP to more golf specific? Cause we're talking big time too. I mean, you mentioned Colin, I looked at your board of directors. It's like pretty stacked within the golf industry. Yeah. Super impressive what you guys have going on. So like, what was that like for you? And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't even say completely different. It's just like you have a different population. So general population, you have people who are coming in off the street, um, Typically, it's like, oh, they're being told by the doctor, hey, you need to get in the gym. And they honestly have never been in the gym in their life, like try to live a healthier lifestyle. Um, you have people like what I did was like group fitness classes and I was independent as well. So like I did that. Um, but like you're just working with a wide range of people. Like, honestly, I tried to get into sports performance. There was nobody really at a time that I really had for sports performance. I had maybe two people, one guy who played tennis and then another young athlete, but the majority of them were just like, hey, just live a healthy lifestyle. So it's this, what my big basis was, I grew up an athlete, so I would tell them all the time and they would always laugh at me. I still say it to this day, but like, 
there's no difference between a basketball player bending down to get a basketball and injuring their back and you being at a desk, dropping your pencil and injuring your back. It's like preparing your body to be able to do those things. So it, uh, <laughs> the, the final straw, I guess you can say for me, was like I was an independent trainer and then I was like renting out space in the gym. Um, so I was out in this one place. I won't name the actual gym, but I was out in this one place and I started to do group fitness classes. And then I just saw like, honestly, honestly, how just how bad the general population, some of those coaches are like, that can also be a sports performance field, but like just how bad some of them were as far as like the information that they're giving. And then they're just like doing it to like grab money from people. And I just honestly hated that. So I was still working there. I was like, all right, I don't want to be independent anymore. Let me find wasn't necessarily find a team, but let me find something more in this sports performance field. And then I had walked away from golf in my past. Like I played all the way up until high school, started playing when I was three. And then when I finished high school in 2009, walked away from golf and I honestly didn't think I would ever be back. But I was looking for something in sports performance, saw UGP again, went in for the interview. Um, they liked me for who I was. It wasn't even about my experience. Like they saw that I could help with the culture and bring the culture forward. And then they brought me in from there. So like now as I'm here, it's different because you have people coming in for something very specific as far as like golf. Majority of them come in for the golf coaching, of course. They want to understand how that works. But I tell them all the time, like there's only one thing that can really be consistent in golf and that's the movement. So understanding the fitness aspect of it um, and the movement aspect, depending on your level that you're at right now, like the higher the higher handicaps to get them understand movement, understand why they need to do this for their swing, for the the better players. Of course, we work with pros and things like that. They already understand fitness is a is a huge part of it. Now it's just optimization and programming. But uh, for the higher handicap, the beginner, there's really no difference between like the programming style as far as like what we need to do um, for that lower handicap. Like it, you can always just like vary your program from there. But like if uh, low handicap or professional golfer is doing let's say a split squat or rotation this higher handicap isn't able to do that yet all right we're going to be on the ground rotate understand the basis of it work from the ground up but the program is exactly the same so they'll be working with people in the gym that are much better than them and you just let them sh uh, let them see like hey eventually down the road you're going to be doing that type of stuff because you are a better golfer your body is now prepared for it. it's like it it's a lot easier because those guys are already coming in for golf specific and then so now you can cater the program to them as far as like what they need in a golf swing and then there's the the aesthetic piece of it of course as far as like the general population of all right i want to lose weight but also want to be good at golf so like now it's learning how to blend programs and things like that that's kind of where i'm at is a general pop you know like yeah the, the, and we talked a little bit about this pre but like one of my my good friends is a is like bodybuilder and i don't know everyone yeah. wants to be jacked who doesn't want to be jacked? i saw the you know program I mean? yeah, it's, yeah. Uh... it's like dude i want to be freaking jacked but at the same time like i love golf as well you know yeah. and i want to hit it farther so like for me i mean i just want to maybe find a blend i don't know what you're thinking about it i could post mine um <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. But like, just kind of looking at your Instagram, some of these movements, they're just, they just seem super specific and super functional. Like it's all about rotation. It's all about strength. So, so when you really think about like a golf program and you really try to break it down, like fundamentally, when you look at like the skeleton, like what does a good golf program consist of? It varies. Like that's a very boring answer, but it varies. Like I'll break down a couple different examples. Um, so being that, like, as I said, from like a high handicapper to a low handicap. It doesn't really change as far as like what we need to work on. So the very first step is get an assessment, understand how that person moves 
And then for me personally, I'm looking at past experiences as far as like motor patterns. Myself, I play basketball, I ran track, and I play football as well. Football is mainly just because of my friends. I hate being hit. So that was something I cut out like really early on. But like hearing that, if if I was a person coming to myself and I said, oh, I play basketball, I'm asking like, oh, what position you play? I play two guard. All right. So this is person that really is going to be a shooter off the dribble, things like that. Track. What, what events did you run? 100, 204 by one. All right. Very quick twitch. And then football, of course, very quick twitch sprints as well. So like if I'm looking at that person, no matter what level that they're at, I'm not going to program around that. And then as I do the assessment, I am understanding, all right, past experiences being like basketball, football, whatever it is, is going to shape how they move within this assessment and also what they do currently. Like if I did that way in the past, but now I'm working a desk job, all right, mainly I'm going to be pretty stiff, but I still have some of those motor patterns in it. So now I'm just like, understanding what they potentially move like in the swing as I do the assessment, look at what they are really good at and then what they're bad at. And then I shape the program from there. So like high handicapper, shape the program from there and then understand like where we're going to start, whether it be stability, strength, power, and all that. And then for the lower handicap, usually they're playing a lot more. So their motor pattern is geared towards a golf swing. So then you now from that position, understand like what planes that they're in majority of the day. Like if they're mainly sitting down at a desk and then go play golf. All right. Now we're going to be moving, whether it be in the frontal plane, sagittal plane, but majority of the time it's a frontal plane. Get them moving side to side. Just understand how to move through all planes of motion again, because number one, is going to be injury prevention. And then again, it's just understanding how somebody moves, what their experience is like from very in the past and what they are doing now and then shape the program from that. But I'm very big on the aesthetic piece as well. Like mm. on Mondays I, we lift heavy, baby, right? Yeah. That's what you say. <laughs> it, it it depends. Like if I'm seeing somebody three times a week, it makes it so much easier because yeah, like hey, we're gonna have a power day strength day and then we're gonna have your functional day. It's always functional because at the end of the day it's it's about the golf performance. But like I'm gonna blend it. So like I told you, like we we spoke about this as well. It's like I understand you want you want to get big, you want to get jacked, but also at the same time, I'm going to like leave that to the very end because that's what you love. It's like, I'm going to give you that piece at the very end, but then we're going to figure out like, if I were to do an assessment, like, all right, if your hips aren't working, all right, let's do this, do this, do this. And the very end, all right, you suffered through what I wanted you to do. That's what I know that you need. Now I'm going to give you what you want, which is the aesthetic piece. And then we're going to probably do arms if you want big arms, because at the end of the day, like it's very psychological as well. Like it's look good, feel good, and play good. If you're not playing good, hey, at least you can look good. If you love to see, like in the summertime, you want like big quads, like or calves or whatever it is, I'm gonna make sure that you have that. That way, you look in the mirror, like, hey, I feel good. So then psychologically, you're at a advantage already once you step onto the course, big arms, whatever it is. So, like there's a wants and a needs thing that it comes with the training and that's the art of coaching honestly like i can't just give you everything i know that you need i got to give you something that you want or else you won't you won't come back honestly because like even though you feel better you know that it's better for your game like i'm just telling you like what i think you need and nobody wants to be told what to do constantly <laughs> right no so it's interesting because like a lot of programs vary and it's hard to just give like general fitness advice so all right, here's a little brain dump. And I don't know where this is going to go, but it's a podcast oh. will flow together. <laughs> so it's just interesting because like, you know, we look online, Instagram, social media, all this stuff. There's just so many guys that are out there like preaching fitness. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's tough as a consumer to be like, all right, well, who's right? Who's wrong? 
Um, what are your, and you had talked a little bit about that, like the GP, you know, you, group classes, you hear these guys, like what advice would you have for someone maybe trying to like find a, a golf, uh, you know, instru instructor, fitness guy, or, or just like a general trainer, like what, what can you tell them or like, what kind of criteria checklist can you give them so they are better informed? It's just understanding like they're, if there's a method to the madness. So like for myself, I don't explain much on Instagram and I do that for a reason, but people who have seen me through Instagram and have come in with a session with me, they'll understand how in depth I am because I don't, how the Instagram started was just for me to gain confidence. Uh, so this goes back to like when I started at UGP is like, as I said, there's much smarter people there. So like I came in again from general population, these people had been in, in the industry for a while. So like, I felt like, man, I, I felt intimidated. So I needed something that was an outlet for me. So I just started posting videos and then it just took a life of its own. And I love the creativity of training, but like, that, that got me more confidence. Like, again, boring answer, but there's no right or wrong answer, but it's like understanding. It's like for somebody who's coming in, it's, it's talking, this is how I feel about it, but it's talking to that person, honestly, ahead of time. Um, and then being okay with fact check, fact checking them. So like, don't take it at face value, basically. So like, if I tell you like, hey, you need to do this exercise because your hips aren't moving and things like that. And then you look in the golf swing, your hips are moving well, and then you've never had a problem with the hips and you go back to your coach, whatever, whatever the situation is, like be okay with calling the trainer out myself as well. It's like, no, nah, I don't think it's that. And then have that healthy dialogue. So like, I think it always needs to be a dialogue as far as like what you want, whether it's general population um, or whether it's sports performance, like having that healthy dialogue and understanding that you can do the research and not just take it at face value because like if I go back to the general population, um, the reason why I was so done with it is because I worked at this gym and I said that I did, I did group classes. So like, I'm not sure if you ever experienced this, but like there's like classes out there. There's like, Hey, a six week program and lose 18 pounds. There's, there, there's a lot of them out there. Um, but like people who come off the street again, like you've done nothing. You're like 18 pounds. That's nothing. Six weeks, three pounds a week. I can easily do that. Somebody's deconditioned what happens is that first week they'll go through it. And then again, they're struggling because they haven't done anything. So you hop right into this class. And then also as well, what the people do, they give you a nutrition program, not certified nutritionist. And then uh, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad or whatever. This one that I was at, it was like really, really bad. So they're coming off the street. They do weigh-ins every single week. So they'll, they're deconditioned. They'll drop five pounds that first week. Oh, look, I was supposed to lose three pounds in a week. I'm well ahead of the curve. But we all know, well, no, we all know, but like, I know, like, all right, that first five pounds is water weight. You're draining excess water weight, which is not actually any fat or anything from there. It's like, you drop that initial water weight, and then you go through the next week, like, oh, I feel good, because again, look good, feel good. So it's psychological as well. Like, I dropped that five pounds, all I got to do is now drop, uh, what, 13 more pounds, and I'll be good. You get on the scale, one pound, or maybe no pounds. Why is that? Well, now you have to kick it into high gear or whatever. And then if that nutritional program isn't good, then of course you're not going to see the max benefit. So then when I was in general pop, they, they, again, the, the person I was with would be like, oh, just do this. Like, oh, cut this out and drink protein shakes all day. I'm not a big fan of protein shakes. If you're going to take protein, like let it be mainly from nutrition, like eat more food. And it was just a very, very bad program. So then uh, humble brag. I was pretty good. People love me. People would come to my class. I only did one class. And then it's like people would like show up and like be in my class all the time. But 
they would always talk to me after class and be like, what can I do? What can I do? And then I had never seen the programs before until people were like, I'm just not losing weight. What can I do? And I was like, send me your program. And I was like, oh my God, this is a very bad nutritional program. But it's just those type of things. And like the people there, they, they take it at face value. Like, oh, this person knows what they're talking about. I'm like, no, go do your research. I was like, this is this. And I was like, this is what I say do. Go research. I would send them articles, like send them all these different things as far as that. And I was like, go talk to him and see if this is correct. See what answer he has and then show him these articles as far as like what this says, because it should be fact checked. So like that was my like final straw with the with the general population. And then like people leaving upset and then like they, they're thanking me is like, oh, thank you for all the help that you did. But it's like my main goal is like the development. Like I don't the, the number is a thing. So then, like, I felt like it was just, like, very cheap to take money from them. Like, these people thought they can do it, and you're giving some some bad information. And then when it comes to the sports performance side, same thing. Like, if I feel this certain way, like, uh, for the golf swing, if I, if I am saying, like, hey, you need to do this because your coach wants you to do this, so this is what we need to work on, and you just take it at face value, and then you aren't actually getting to that stage, then I've done a disservice to you as well as, like, you haven't actually learned what is supposed to happen. So like, I want to make sure that for everybody that I'm working with, that they're well aware of the development stages and why I'm doing it. And then also go look at it on your own, like through what pros are doing or whatever research, not necessarily YouTube university, as far as like do this to fix your chicken wing, but like understanding why we are doing something, understand like if you disagree with me, it's okay to just let me know like, Hey, let's have the discussion. This is why I disagree. I saw this and then we can have the discussion. And I have no problem saying I'm wrong because I don't know everything, but that's what helps. It's like being okay with saying like, all right, I don't actually know the answer to that. But if you don't know the answer, you eventually figure it out. So then next time that problem comes around, you have an answer because again, what is, what is the right answer? It's so subjective. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. It's just interesting too. And on top of that, like everyone's different. Everyone has a different body, right? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting. It's like similar to golf swings, right? You, oh, how do I fix a slice on YouTube? I mean, you can understand <laughs> it, but every button, everyone body and everyone new movement patterns is different and it's hard to really like dial it in specifically to each person. Yeah. So that's, that's what makes a trainer, especially in the golf field and sports performance field, like great. It's like understanding like, oh, this person's body type is different. Again, like it goes, for me, it goes back to like understanding motor patterns. Like somebody did cross country all right, they're pretty much going to be a uh, not quick twitch muscle fibers. Like, and if somebody did basketball, very quick twitch. So like understanding how to program around that, but still understand that each one is going to meet the opposite side. So if I play basketball, I'm very terrible with endurance. <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a cheetah. I'll die out after, after like 15 seconds of anything like that. But if you ask me to uh, lift heavy, I can do it very quickly Max reps, I do that very quickly, but anything that, that's like slow, I can't do it. But those are the things I know I have to work on in the background versus somebody else who, again, like, for instance, ran cross country, get them moving fast and they, they're moving very awkwardly. So like, it's, it's understanding, like, give them what they, what they want, knowing like, all right, let's do something slow. Like if it is somebody but ran do cross what country. you suck at, like, you got to do what you suck at yes, really is like do. what it comes so if like my mobility is crap and I hate working on my mobility, that's a sign. <laughs> like freaking dude, work on your mobility. Your hips are tight kind of thing, right? Yes. So yes, that's that's a big one, um, especially in our field. Like everybody knows like the, the easy answer is like work on your hips. Um, 
But again, that's why we do the assessment because you might think it's the hips when it might actually be the core or, or different things. Like there, there's so many different things like what can control hip mobility is what we call an oblique sling. Basically like the obliques are going to be the control of your rotation. So people will see possibly like, Oh, I can get in this position and it's not my hips. It's actually my torso isn't rotating fast enough. So like you'll look on video and it's like, oh, my hips have actually cleared, but my torso is way behind. So we've created this separation, but you're not able to maintain it with the torso. So it's like, it's not, may not necessarily be your hips, but like understanding like which actual body part it is. Like that's the beauty of the assessment and beauty of getting somebody who is a golf fitness trainer specifically. Um, just because like I work with people as well. Like um, for instance, like, I've had this one guy um, and I've worked with him for a while as well. Like the very first session, um, he goes like, yeah, I already have a trainer and he does this. He's this uh, celebrity trainer who works with this person. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> Sounds so very is, LA vibes. LA. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly what it is. So like, yeah. I love hearing that answer because it's like, all right, great. Perfect. Bring him in. We only need to do one session just so I can make you aware of what you need to do for your golf swing. So that way he can program it for you. So this was the very first instance this ever happened for me. So like we were always told like, yeah, if they say they have a trainer, bring them in, tell them to go for one session so that they can program around that. So that way we're not hindering your performance. Because like if you're working out with your trainer and he's doing something contradictory to like what the coach wants and then you aren't getting better, then it comes back to the coach and you make it look like, oh, these guys are not good at their job. So let them come in and experience what, what we have. So it was very early on for me. I was like, oh, yeah, bring them in, come in. So he brings them in. And this guy is a, is a hot shot, honestly. I'm just like, okay. So he sits over in the corner or whatever, but he doesn't say anything. You can just tell how he walks in and everything like that. So like, we're going through it. I was like, all right, we need to do this. All right, this is this. Have you ever done this with your trainer? No. All right, tell him to do this. So then <laughs> this guy is like, he's very straightforward because of the, the world that he's in. He's in the business world. So he's like very straightforward. So he looks over his trainer. He's like, why have you never told me I need to do this? And he's, <laughs> the trainer doesn't say anything. I was like, all right, well, that's awkward. So then. We go through the assessment even more. I was like, yeah, okay, so then this isn't really tight. Uh, we need to do this, do this. I was like, man, you're really more in depth. Like, I'm pretty mad that you never told me. And he's like talking to me and talking to a trainer at the same time. Yeah. I'm like, all right, this is awful. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, like, at the very end, so I go through all the boring stuff. And, and he already told me very early on. He's like, I really just want more speed. I was like, all right, perfect. This is what we need to do. So I put him through the assessment, all these different things, understand how his body moves, again, past motor patterns. He said he plays basketball. All right, what position, power forward? I love being in the post. All right, so he's not quick at all. I was like, all right, so then we we need to up the uh, quick twitch muscle fibers, get some, like, explosive training in there, but making sure that we're stable first. So I was like, all right, this is going to be, like, a little gist of it. And I had him, like, do this explosive movement on a cable. And then so he's, like, much bigger than me, probably, I don't know, maybe it was about 215, maybe more, uh, probably about 6'3". I'm six feet. 170 um not even 170 probably about 165 so have him go we have a kaiser machine that shows power output i was like this is what we need to do and i was like oh come on man so he does it i was like man you have way more power than that i was like there's no way i should be stronger than you if you say you bench this much with your trainer so then i go and i do it and the power output spikes immediately and then it's like way higher than what he was so i was like can you get to that so then we reset it we do it again (laughs) And he can't get to it. I was like, yeah, this is the reason why we need to understand how to move more functionally. And then we can get to all the strength stuff on the back end. Like, yeah, I'm small, but I understand how to produce power. And so the most embarrassing part was like, he was like, man, I'm so mad. He told him to a trainer. I'm so mad you've never told me to do that. So I mean, he has his trainer come do it and see who he can beat me. Like he puts his trainer on the spot and then his trainer was not even close. So like, 
it wasn't even trying to call him out, but he still trains with me to this day. But it's just like one of those instances of like being aware of like why it's different than just like yeah. oh, I'm working and with a trainer. Strength doesn't necessarily like raw strength. Like you had mentioned bench press. Like if you if you were to find a guy who's like uh, just super strong on paper, that does not equal you hit the ball far, right? I yeah. mean, it's a totally specialized movement. And that's that's also interesting to to kind of get into as well because you see different body types. I mean, Roy's like, <laughs> how tall is yeah. Roy, right? I mean, he freaking smashes it, right? <laughs> see, all right, so like, here's the thing. So I say golf, I mean, it could be just because I'm in this world, but like golf is like the one sport where the every average day person will look at the people, the pros competing and be like, I can do that. Nobody's looking at Steph Curry and be like, I can shoot that well. Nobody's looking at Lamar. Matt Matt Fitzpatrick, dude. I got him, dude. Like, you look at that person like, this guy's that small. I should be able to hit that far. And then you get in there and you just don't have the right sequence power and all these fundamentals. Whereas these guys have like, they're, they're training for this. It's their job. Like, you're not going to walk into like a basketball court, football field or anything like that and be like, I can I can throw it as far as Patrick Mahomes. Look at Look at uh, Kyler Murray. I can do exactly what he does. There's no other sport where you can do that. But golf, you look at him, it's like, and they look like average people. I should be able to hit it as far as JT and all these different things without actually understanding, one, the fundamentals of the golf swing, understanding how to produce power, uh, the raw strength of how to actually use it, and then the, the functionality of it. Like, there's so many different things. We hear about hip mobility, thoracic mobility, and the separation, like, those three are the bases of the golf swing. Like if you don't let's get have... into them because like the average guy might not understand thoracic mobility. Like I'm just like, what? Yeah. I mean, I've heard it in your videos. Can we talk about those three hip mobility and kind of get into it like a little bit more in depth? Yeah, definitely. So there's, there's three non-negotiables for me. Um, and is this just power or is this just the golf swing in general? Cause at the same time, is... I assume a lot of guys come in and are like, I want to hit the ball farther. Like what percent yeah. of your clients are, are like that? I mean, is it a lot or honestly everybody? Know. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like, so <laughs> do you start with power and then is it like, well, actually it depends. So like, yes and no, like there's, there's always the power aspect. Again, for once in a needs, if somebody, so one, if somebody tells me like, oh, I already hit the ball far enough, I'm good. I'm telling them uh, you're a liar without saying you're a liar straight to their face because there's nobody who hits the ball too far. Like, honestly, like you can always gain more distance. Um, but it's understanding how to harness the the amount of speed that you have. So, like, if somebody tells me that they hit the ball too far, all right, they're a liar already. If they tell me want to hit it farther, all right, understand why you're not able to hit it far now. Uh, but, again, there's three non-negotiables. There's the hip mobility. Um, broad scale is hip mobility, thoracic mobility, and separation. Mine aren't those three, but they really are. It's all the same. So I go proper ribcage movement, which is still tied into uh, thoracic mobility proper pelvic movement, and then feet, honestly, because what is your one foundation to the ground is the feet. If the feet don't move properly, then the hips don't move properly in the thoracic, or the rib cage won't move properly. So I'm not super educated on the foot per se. Like I said, we, we have people within UGP that educated me on why the foot is so important. So I learned from those guys um, as far as everything goes. But like for me, rib cage and pelvis are the top two. If you can't move one of those properly, then the, the golf swing is going to be off as well. Um, feet are super important, but we also see people like Scotty Scheffler who are moving their feet around. People are like, oh, I don't need to do What's this. Going on you got to understand yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. So like, but you have to understand like his swing is efficient for him right. and how it happens. And like he still has a – like if you look at it throughout the swing, he's very solid on the ground throughout the swing, and then it starts to move that way. You have people like HV3 
um, who then whip the foot around. Like, there's so many different ways to do it, but if you break it down, like, throughout the whole swing, they're very solid on the ground and up from there. So to get into everything, let's work from the top down. Ribcage movement, which is thoracic movement as well. So, like, I just break it down as far as ribcage because as adults, you start playing. If you didn't play as a kid, your foundation or what you believe strength comes from, most people, over the top because their upper body's strong. Like, so they're going to lunge at it, use their upper body. Why? Because that's their, it's what they believe power is. Um, so then I take that and understand it. But, like, understanding ribcage movement is how this ribcage moves again, works with the obliques, and then how is that's our foundation for rotation of our upper body. So getting our ribcage to flex, extend, side bend, um, not necessarily side bend, but like how this moves in so all we, these different So would you ways. include core in that as well? I'm assuming yeah, so like no. the Yeah, okay. so broad scale yeah. is core as well. So like core, right. honestly, uh, I can't say is the most important thing, but like that's for, for somebody coming in, I don't need to break it down uh, like that definitively. So I just say core. Um, like the more people get in, I'm letting them understand like, all right, it's the oblique. We're really working like, and then you can break down like those different muscles. Like if it's legs, most people say, oh, it's the glutes. Uh, well, not really. Like, yeah, the glutes are stabilizing. But, like if we go the power from the ground, we're mainly looking at the quad, um, looking at the vas medialis as far as like your foundation for power. Like if you want to go lead leg stability force, and you're looking at the vastus. So like we're doing adductor planes and things like that. So like, it's it's now getting them to understand like all right you think it's a glutes yeah we have to have that stabilized and all these different things like that's why it's way more in depth like when i'm in session versus like on instagram just shows like ah oh, yeah train your hips hip mobility and all this but like getting them to understand it so to me like i learn best that way so i ask people like how do you learn best and if it's like visual i'm showing them constantly but then at the same time i want them to be able to be self-sufficient like if i'm not there be able to do this on your own like let's say you aren't able to train with me because you're out of town, understand what you need to do and understand why. So it's always about making them educated and self-sufficient. But to go back for like the rib cage again, understanding flexion, extension, um, again, that's for thoracic, that's a side bend, the rotation as well, which is now the core of the rotation. Um, as far as the oblique sling, understanding like how that creates more rotation for you. And that also is a big factor in separation. So then that brings me to the pelvis. To me, this is number one, pelvic movement is the, yeah, pelvis is number one. It's like when we talk hip mobility, everybody thinks it's like, yeah, I'm just not able to get over to my left side and then I'll put them in this position um, of a way, I'll actually just show you. So basically like when we go into the screen, as we're here, I put them in a golf position. And then as we're in this position, I'm trying to see how well this pelvis can tuck up and back. So when people say, oh, I can't, I stand up in my swing is because like, all right, if the pelvis can't tuck up and back without my upper body moving, this has to tuck. So then what happens is people just stand up in the swing. Is so that like, early extension then? That is early extension. So when we talk and early just, extension, again, yeah, yeah exactly. So, so you, just, you talk early extension, most people think, oh, fitness, well, I got to get stronger in my glutes. So now I'll go and do squats, go do deadlifts. But then again, like I'm now looking at motor patterns as well. You do a squat deadlift, great. That's great for your lower body, great for your legs. But if you look at the pattern, you're still moving upwards. You're getting this hip into extension. You're now driving forward. So then what is it going to do? You're already in the pattern where your pelvis is tucking underneath, tucking underneath. So you're putting yourself in a pattern to be more early extended as opposed to understanding we now need to learn how to control our pelvis anterior, anteriorly and posteriorly as well. So the what more are some this- exercises you like for that? Oh, number I, one I, is- have a little, I have a little extension, I feel like. <laughs> 
number one is yeah. always going to be a cat cow, like number one. So like yeah. being able to isolate the pelvis. Um, so natural cat cow gets the uh, T spines around, so flex from there, and it gets the pelvis to flex. I'm trying to isolate it where I have people drive into the ground and everything above the belly button up. You're trying to keep as still as possible and simply isolate the pelvis and tuck underneath and back. So no matter how old or young you are, you need to understand how to control the pelvis because to me, again, that is a foundation for the golf swing, like understanding how to control that. So if somebody can control that, they can control, honestly, every single thing in their golf swing. If they early extend, understand like, all right, now I have the ability to tuck my, well, let's start it from setup. So as you go into setup, your pelvis is neutral. As you take your backswing and anteriorly tilt, so belt buckle goes down and then right pelvis goes, yeah, right pelvis goes high. And then as you come into your downswing, it starts to tuck underneath and that's how you create the force into the ground. Why people early extend is because this can't properly anteriorly tilt and posteriorly tilt. So then they'll posteriorly tilt very early because your body wants to get back to neutral. So they have very little interior tilt or they might have more, but then it immediately tucks underneath and that's why it really extends as opposed to being able to control the amount and how fast it does. So that's where early extension comes from. Um, so getting people to understand that and then put them in a cat cow. Uh, for me, it's a hip airplane, understand how to, how to do things on a single leg. Those are the top two exercises. Um, and What's there's the a, a lot of again? other ones. Uh, so basically, I'll have them hold on to a pole. One leg goes back, and then you're understanding. Oh, I'll show you. It's easier that way. So you're holding on to a pole. And then from there, we're getting this hip to move upwards this way without the knee caving in. So notice how my pelvis has shifted once the knee caves in. This knee stays out, and then we're isolating everything from here up and back. So it's literally the golf swing with one leg up. So being able to control this pelvis here as the right hip goes high, right hip goes low. I'm a righty, so this is my impact. So this gets my right side low, left side high. So now when I'm in a swing, I'm able to stay back. So again, there's motor patterns and that's the functionality of it. So that's why like, if somebody's like, oh yeah, I'm early extending, but I'm doing a bunch of squats. Well, you're you're putting yourself in another pattern that's just going to get you to early extend more. Yeah, great. You're working on your lower body. Yeah, great. You are actually strengthening your lower body. But again, motor patterns are, are the number one thing. You're putting yourself in a pattern where you're tucking, tucking, tucking up early, early, early. So you're only going to early extend even more. So they, for that person who comes in the gym that way, I'm getting them to honestly not squat at the moment. More than likely split stance, everything, split squats, if anything. So that way they can learn how to control everything through that single leg. And you'll find that they struggle a lot more. And then once they get really good, I go into like curtsy lunges and things like that, because I'm still going to get them single leg, but then used to two. And then eventually once they show me that they have full control, all right, now we can actually squat because now your motor pattern has changed and you're actually more accustomed to actually learning how to control your pelvis and do it properly. So that's why the pelvis is so important to me. Um, for sure is that fundamentally neglected do you think by and you said it's the biggest one so i'm assuming it's like the most neglected sort of body because a lot of or part part of the body because a lot of people are sort of like you know working at a desk or, or a lot of people have like a sedentary job so you start to see like it weaken over time yeah 100 percent. like everything that we do in life is is in chairs um yeah so like <laughs> so as you already uh know i have an eight month year old it's like 
there's like different systems like as a baby they have no they have no muscle of course but like it's they lack stability until they get older and everything from there but like when you see how a baby moves throughout the ground from like now he's eight months so he's he's standing on things not fully able to walk like from him from a very position being on his back thrilling on his stomach and how his body moved through space at that point in time is the most functional honestly that it probably will ever be and as he gets older he's going to go into school start to sit at at desk so naturally as he gets older as well he's going to have to have a phone we get into this rounded position at a chair everything so everything starts to curve um, and especially if you're not doing anything, you start to get into these patterns. And then again, so like we start to tuck underneath. So you stay locked in, pelvis stays locked in this position. And if you try to get into golf, you feel like, oh, my back hurts. Well, it's because I need to strengthen my core. Well, no, maybe you just need to understand how to, whether it be rib cage, understand how to flex, extend, uh, rotate the, the rib cage, or whether it be the pelvis, understand how to posterior anteriorly tilt and also get to a, uh, uh, move the pelvis correctly so it is those different things which are the leading cause of back pain within the golf swing so back pain is the is number one thing in golf so like getting people to be injury free without low back pain is is number one for me and then we get into all the power stuff so yeah no, so i just realized like how one. non-specific my program is right now you know what i mean after just kind of talking through this and it's been 30 minutes but dude i realized like whoa you know yeah. So like, I wanna, again, I, there's just a lot of gaps in there, you know, Yeah. from uh, again, there's, 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 there's no knock on those type of programs. I like, understand the bodybuilding program, but you got to understand, like people need to understand like what they want and what they want to do. Like if it's a bodybuilder program, you're going to be a bodybuilder, go for it. Cause you're not going to be out there doing cartwheels or anything like that. You're training for muscle, build muscle mass, and then all the vascularity and all that other stuff. So like to be able to be, prime for your show but if you're doing a bodybuilder program and you want to play great golf depending on what level that you're at you can still do that to build muscle and then build muscle mass the aesthetic piece but understand like all right we got to do a lot more functional stuff as well like it's got to be either a two-in-one or a one-in-one at least a one-in-one but mainly it's going to be a two-in-one like two functional movements to one bodybuilder movement um just because like again we're now working in a state where when there's one plane of rotation, we're in the transverse plane that you're almost never going to be in throughout your life. So you're going to now do all these lifts like back, chest, uh, biceps, triceps, um, all these different things like moving in one plane and then you get to the golf swing. And you're like, man, I work out. Why am I still sore? Why is this hurting? Well, it's just because you actually haven't trained for what you are. So that's why I say like, I am all for it all for the aesthetic piece because i mean i'll be perfectly honest with you i i love the exact aesthetic piece like i love to live heavy love all those things but then again understand like i i hate the functional things to me as well but like i know i need it for me to stay good at the game of golf okay but also longevity too because when i think about like oh, the yeah. kind of life i want to live and i want to be old and in good shape you know <laughs> like i it's cool to see a guy like my age our age in good shape but when you see like an old guy like 50, 60 in good shape. That's like a true testament. And it's like fitness, but it's also like wellness too. And that's kind of what I'm seeking as well. So yeah. that's kind of why, I mean, this could be an interesting transition into like, how, how should we be thinking about fitness? Like a lot of guys go and just beat their body up and it might not be yeah. that sustainable. And that's yeah. not kind of what I'm going for either. Like I want to love it. I want it to be sustainable. I don't want to mm -hmm. kill myself. And I want it to be this long-term thing that I love. 
Cause for me, it's also like the discipline of it too, of like waking up early, going to the gym and this feeling like accomplished, you know what I mean? Before I yeah. start my day kind of vibe. So what are your just general thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I would break that down for the person as far as like what they want. Like at, at the end of the day, it's going to depend on what their goal is. Like if they're coming to me for golf, then I, I got it. You got to understand like, all right, you can't just, just beat yourself up in the gym doing like chess and then coming to me sore and then all that other stuff. It's like understanding that if it's somebody who wants to live a healthy lifestyle, understand where to start and then understand your body as far as like, again, what the goal is. If you just want a healthy lifestyle and do those type of things, um, let's say you do want a trainer or you don't want a trainer. If you do want a trainer, find somebody who's going to get you to that goal safely um, without injuring you. And like, if, if you only want to get essentially like to a certain point, whether it be like the actual number on the scale or just feeling better, then let them know. Again, it's always about communication. And if you don't want a trainer and you are doing something from what you saw online, again, understanding like what you actually need to do. It's it's hard to do that way because like the easiest thing to do is go on YouTube or social media and say, oh, I can probably do this. But like understand like for everybody, it's just understanding your end goal. Um, if it's bodybuilding, understanding what you need to do to get to that. So like, and then if it's both, like let's say you do want to be a bodybuilder and a golfer, understand how to blend it because they can be blended. Like, like let's say, uh, all right, so let's put it this way. So I'll just give specific examples. So uh, let's say you come to me, you love the bodybuilder program, you want to do chess. All right, so then we're going to make it functional where let's say I put you the assessment or whatever it is. I now have you on the bench in a glute bridge, single leg, uh, with with the knee driven up. So what that is going to do with the single arm chest press. So you're going to get your chest like, all right, boom, we're here. I feel good with the chest. But now I'm getting you in a position that I want you in being fired single, up. Glutes are fired exact, up, baby, right? Glutes are fired, well, hammers are fired, like, yeah. core Whoa, is fired, yeah. and hips are fired. Right. So when we talk about the golf swing, I'm now putting you in full hip flexion. I'm now putting you in that bridge. So posteriorly tugged. So I'm now getting the pelvis to move how I want it to. Your glutes are firing, core is firing. We're now working that oblique sling because I have a dumbbell on the right-hand side, left leg is down, right knee is driven up. So now this oblique has to fire harder to keep you from falling over. So now you're working all these different muscles while you're still getting what you want as far as that chest press. So it's certain things like that. And I can also do it the opposite way. Like, all right, if you're standing, I could put you on a cable, have the, have the bar on the cable, but you're only doing it on one side. So you're doing an offset chest press. So now that right oblique, let's say it's on the right-hand side, that right oblique is firing really hard. Again, working that oblique sling, uh, which is huge for rotation in golf. Now you're working anti-rotation. As that cable wants to pull you back this way, I'm telling you, keep a straight body, straight press out. So now you're getting chest, you're feeling everything fire, but you don't actually feel the chest. You're going to feel your core fire more than anything. Why? Because it's resisting rotation. But on the back end, you know you're working chest. Like It's blending those different ways in the program and then – from that motion, I know like, all right, I've got an oblique sling, so he probably has better rotation because of the anti-rotation. He's happy with the chest. And then the next exercise we do can depend and probably do some like type of ro rotational exercise that I would love even more that I know that you need. So it's blending a wants and a needs right. thing. That's what I say. Like, Are there a, any compound lifts that like make sense for <laughs> a golfer to do? Uh, like obviously not chest weight, not chest, right? Does it make no, sense that it no, chest? Like, Arch. 100%. It's like if like we, should we only be training like basically hips, core, and, and like fast twitch, lower body muscles? That's not. basically it, right? No? No. No. To be perfectly honest with you, like if you go muscle activity, and I might 
like whoever listens to this might be like, oh, he's he's full of, for lack of better words, he's full of shit. So whoa, because whoa, whoa, like, but like no, but like uh, one of the most active muscles in the golf swing is going to be the pec, because like you think about it, in the golf swing, you go back. Peck is now flexed, and as you go down, this controls the force of the swing as well. It's like, let's say we're just going to be doing bench press, but like I did have you on single arm fly on the cable. Again, why? Because the functionality of it is, all right, we got to get the peck working, stretch the peck, or get uh, elasticity within that as well. So we're growing it, elasticity, and then we're also doing, again, anti-rotation. Why? Because the, the cable's on one side, so now that oblique has to fire, so that side is firing while we're still working on that. And then also what that does for the golf swing, most amateurs is they keep this arm across the chest. This never actually leaves. Hands have to get back in front of the chest as we know. So like if this is here and this just moves, then you're just dragging it. And then this being your right arm, your dominant arm, it never has time to actually unleash its full power. Left side is for control. Right side is for power. Left side needs to move out of the way to allow the right side to do what it does. So like those type of things. So that's why, again, the pec is the number one in my opinion, I, and I also have researched it as well. So there's research out there that shows it as far as like the pec being the most active muscle within the golf swing. There's other things. Um, I always talk about the obliques because that one, people know what the obliques are and they can understand why it's so important for the swing as well. But like, as I said, lower body wise, I'm mainly targeting adductors, um, the quads, uh, just because it's, it's the vastest, which is going to be your force production. Like, for a runner, again, I was a sprinter. If you look at track spikes, I say the golf swing is no different than a sprint. It's just rotational sprint. Like you gotta go from essentially toe to toe, but like as you rotate, you get back on the heel, but your driving force is gonna be off the ball of the feet and understand how to produce force from there. It's like running stride as well. If you're running that hundred meter, your spikes have still plates on the ball of the feet. Why you don't want the heel because the heel is your braking force. So like you have to push and propel. Now we're just doing a rotational force. So like, how do we do that? Well, you see sprinters have huge quads. You can see that teardrop is what we call it in the in the bodybuilding world, like for that vastness. Like that's your force production within the swing. So like the glute is going to be your stabilizer. The glute is very important, but like what's actually producing the force into the ground for you is going to be your quads. So, and then number three is going to be obliques. So like those are three different body parts that aren't sexy to talk about for the golf swing. But again, like when you're in session, understanding why I'm having you do like cable fly, single arm cable fly, or things like that of like, all right, well, you're a person who comes over the top and it just stays on. All right, well, let's, let's get this pec stronger. Let's do this anti-rotation. Why? So we can actually utilize the force of the club coming through for our pec. Uh, all right, man, you're just not producing enough vertical force. Let's get the adductors firing. Let's do force from the ground up. It's not necessarily glutes. Glutes are going to be active, but we're mainly focusing on uh, that lead leg producing force from there. All right, man, you can't rotate properly. We got to get your rib cage moving properly. So let's work on these obliques, uh, doing something cross body sling work and things like that. All right, now you'll see you have more rotation. But again, it's always about the explanation going forward for people. So I always want to make sure that I'm educating, saying I'm not just a glorified rep counter. I'm educating <laughs> at the same time. So that way they're are we talking, speaking of reps though, or like for this, for a lot of the golf stuff, like if we talk about, you know, like building strength versus like hypertrophy, right? Mm -hmm. From like a golf perspective, a hypertrophy meaning like getting like nice little pumps, right? For guys, yep. you know, higher, higher rep range for the golf stuff. 
like are you pretty much doing high reps as well or how do you or, or no is it all like lower reps for for, for, for me i'm mainly doing hypertrophy strength reps like i never go past 12 um and yeah never really go past 12 to be honest with you there there might be certain exercises where i do but like again you got to think about the golf swing as a whole the swing lasts 1.8 seconds or maybe even shorter than that so like no matter who you are or what you are, you got to be able to fire something very fast in the force production and power and things from that. So like the strength aspect is to make sure that we are able to stabilize within our body. That's the strength aspect of it. Hypertrophy as well, this is, which is the pump of growing the muscle. And then the most important piece is, well, actually not the most important piece, but like one of the most important pieces are the, is the power aspect of it. So you have stability and power, which are the two most important for golf. Um, and then, of course, we're always working on strength and hypertrophy on the back end. But, like, rep range, like, depending on the person, um, if it's somebody I've seen for a while, which they usually end up coming back, I will say, like, you start to blend it, not really blend in, but, like, you have those hypertrophy days, strength days, like, all right, we're going, we're going chest press. <laughs> At that point in time, like, I've worked with them so long, so I understand how they move, so then we can go compound lifts of, like, oh, straight uh, dumbbell chest press and things like that. Um, where you're working from eight to 12 rep range, um, 80% reps, 30% of max or things like that. And then majority of it is going to be power. Your power, you don't want to go more than six reps. Like, So I have this one exercise up, which is pretty fun and funny. Um, stack of boxes, a four-pound med ball. Can you produce enough force within a four-pound med ball to knock over a stack of boxes? Well, you look at it, and it's like, yeah, Damn. I can easily do that. That's and then like we have, the, the, the foam boxes? or yeah. The, Exactly. So it's just a, yeah. Yeah, like the so we, 22 to 24 to 20 inch boxes. Yeah. Those, 20, those so it goes 24, up. 20, 12, and a six. So you stack them yeah. all up. Can you produce enough force to knock over this, this box with a four pound ball? Like you look at it and you think, oh, this is easy. But most people can't produce enough force. They're very strong. But again, it's all about force production. So now you have the, the force production, you have sequence, and then you have everything from there as well for like your golf swing. Like, if I were to give you a 30-pound ball, it's easy. Why? Because the weight of this ball can carry you through. So, like, when I do med ball tosses, I almost never go past four pounds. Why? Because, like, can you produce the same movement within a four-pound ball as you do a 30-pound ball without – or not 30, but, like, 12-pound ball without allowing the weight of this to carry you through and you actually be able to produce that force? Now, there's times that I do 12 pounds, but it's very, very rare – I want to see some how see how somebody moves within space and is actually able to control that four pound ball. Why? Because the golf club weighs, I don't know how much, probably a pound or two. I don't even know how much a golf club weighs, but like where people get in trouble is like they aren't able to control the force around them. And that's why the golf club and then the sequence get out, gets out of, out of sync right. from there. But that's so. why things like kettlebells and, and medicine balls and, and things of the, and like these explosive movements are so necessary to the golf swing because like when i think of equipment for bodybuilding it's like dumbbell <laughs> yeah. barbell bench and then maybe yep. cables and that's pretty yep. much it whereas like with like cave with with golf it's okay we have our med balls maybe some bands right like what else like what kind of uh like for you what what typically do you use when you program or when you train with someone equipment wise just to get people an idea who might not really have the fitness background or have had the opportunity to go to like a, G, a ugp or something yeah, yeah. like that you know um so i'm going slant board because that's my number one movement for stability uh it's the first thing i do with anybody like after the assessment the very first session almost everybody understand loading patterns um because like if you take pattern wise as far as like the fitness 
you can break it down into basically two or three different things. You have a loading pattern. Why? Because you need to load the backswing, uh, technically load the, the lead leg as well as you're transitioning. Um, you have, uh, yeah, loading patterns. You have sequencing, basically. So that's your med ball work, um, understanding how to move from one side to the other. That's your lateral bounds and different things like that. So like you can break it down in, into that and then working in different planes. So like for me, I'm going slant board just because I can put their Is foot that, on. So what's a slant board? That's that's the thing I've seen like with some of your clients where it's like this small like little board that it's yep. literally freaking slanted, right? Yep, it's okay. just slanted. So I put them there. So say the board is slanted to the right, put your right foot on. Why? Because it's going to force the outside of this foot to now activate. Why? Most people think that, all right, I got to keep this knee straight. Then what that does is get them over pronate, knee caves in. And again, I already showed you on video, like what happens to the lower body at that point. So now this is where this is where I'm basically educated with the foot um, and understanding that I can't speak to it a whole lot and understand all of it. But like I know so pressure goes in the outside of the foot. As I said, it's just like a running stride. You see a metal spike on a on a track uh, for a 100 meter runner, 200 meter runner. That that plate goes on the ball of the foot and all the way to the outside there. Why? Because that's where you want to strike midfoot to toe. So same thing. Put pressure on the outside here while not losing connection with his first mat or big toe. So we still want that connection to the ground. But what that does is now as what I do in the video is have them turn over that side. You'll see that they have way more access into that hip than they thought they had because now they aren't trying that to. That just seems like a slap on muscle, like your foot muscles, you know? Oh, yeah. it's Well, now I would say is now. Because your ankle is like part of that too, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't, like, I'm, not a, I'm not an anatomy guy. Like, I don't know anything, right? <laughs> yeah. But your it's ankle just bone like all the interplay of the foot. bone and knee bone. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. But yes, like for the foot, again, that's our foundation to the ground. So if this isn't moving well, then something else up the chain isn't going to move well as, uh, at the same time. So like um, it can be foot related and also can be pelvis related or it also can be uh, 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 ribcage related. But those three things are, are the number one. But like looking at the, the foot, this is like a joystick. If this isn't able to move being your ankle and if this this uh tibia femur aren't able to move properly and actually move then you can't access the hip then up the chain if you can't access the hip can access proper pelvic move we can't access ribcage rotation or thoracic rotation it's like understanding what we need to do from the very bottom so without them having to think about it put them on the board their body tries not to fall off balance so then they naturally go into this type of bow position with the knee, and then again, that's more access into that hip. So then you'll see pelvis drop on the opposite side, what we need for the golf swing. As I said, right pelvis goes high, left pelvis goes low. So without me having to actually cue them, I just put them on the board, tell them turn and rotate, think of your backswing. So then they start thinking of the golf swing. All right, here, turn and rotate, turn and rotate. They're trying not to fall off balance. Usually the first rep always sucks. Let it go. Second rep might be a little bit better. Third rep might be a little bit better. If they get better at it, then I don't cue it at all. Typically, I try not to cue the very first set. Just let their body what try to find that cue. Yeah. So say like, uh, say like a squat, like a uh, typical squat, it tells you like, oh, drive the knees out, things like that. Oh, don't let your knee caves in. Like basically those type of things. So like once I put them on the board, just let their body adapt to it, which it almost always does. And if it doesn't, then I'll hop in and be like, all right, this is what I actually need you to do. And I'll move them into a position like with their leg. This is what I want you to feel. And then I'm always asking questions like, oh, what do you feel on that? Like, do you feel it mainly here, mainly here? And if they say they feel it in a different place. And I'm like, all right, this is what I need you to feel. And this is where you need to be. So then I'll put them in that position. But that board just allows stability all the way up. And then I'll do that for every single session 
until they show that they're competent at it. Like being that they don't fall off balance, they're able to just do this pattern on the ground without the board. And then we progress from there. But like, uh, well, being progression, like we just now do other exercises that are still centered around that, but that's the foundation for me. Um, and then from there, it's slam board. We still have kettlebells, of course. Um, we have functional machines like a Kaiser functional trainer, which allows for the power output that I explained earlier. Is that the, that's like the super expensive one yeah. we're starting to see like all over the place. Yeah, right? it's amazing just because it gives you the force production or not necessarily force production but power output. So say like the, what I had him do was this basic trunk rotation, rip it as hard as you can. And it tells you like for your max one, say like 2195 power output. If you don't ever beat that, it gives you your percentage of what you were at. So then that's why that's why he was really talking to his trainer because like I did one, I left the number up there. He couldn't pass, I think it was like 60% of my max output. So he wasn't able to produce it. And then I did the same thing with the trainer. The trainers are like 78% of my max output. So it's able to see those differences. <laughs> you didn't even get to 80%. He didn't that's get to 80%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yes, like we're, we can use that. Um, we use a Viper tubing, um, steel mace, but like it's all these other functional things that are able to pull you off balance. And again, it's all about stability and core, um, broad scale of everything. So like we use those, but other than that, yeah, we still use dumbbells, barbells. We use trap bars, um, for deadlifts. We use sleds. Um, we have bikes. If you had to say like for, for golf, if you had to like break it down from a compact movement, what, like squat versus deadlift. For strength and i know it's tough because it really just depends on the person mm -hmm. but from your perspective as like a you know most uh productive lift right of the two could you say one or the other or, or what uh, like squat or, I would, I would or is it just tough to say yeah it's okay. tough to say but i would probably choose squats over deadlift but then it also depends on the person as well. Um, simply because I gave I gave the example, I'm looking at motor patterns more than anything, making sure that you're able to, to complete the task at hand being the golf swing. If your person is really extending, I'm getting, because there's so many different variations of a squat that I can change that versus a deadlift. Um, it's like, if you check everything off and like you move well, like uh, if I work with a pro, all right, yeah, let's go ahead and deadlift. Like I can do kettlebell deadlifts. I can do trap bar deadlifts. I can do regular sumo deadlifts and things like that because your whole life is is pretty much around this transverse plane of rotating. So you understand the movement of the golf swing. You're not really extending versus somebody who comes off the street, need to get the lower body stronger. I can go into different squat patterns and different things like that. That, that make it easier for them to then get into just a regular barbell back squat. So I can go front loaded, goblet squat. I can do offset or front rack offset. Like I can do all these different things with the squat that force their body to move differently versus a deadlift where I'm kind of constricted to that, to that one motion. But I love both of them. So like I'll, I'll give a, give a big flex because I told you I'm a uh, six feet, one six. Hey, you were doing subtle flexes earlier. Now you're just giving big flexes. Yeah, I'll give a big hey, one. We're an hour in and you're just big flexing. All right. What is what is pretty much no um yeah. like so the very first gym I worked at, um it was down in the South Bay where I'm at, and now it's like an influencer based gym or whatever. So like they have this outdoor area and it looks great on camera. Um like a crazy bodybuilding influencer yeah, gym. Like, yeah, pretty like, much, uh, yeah. Bradley I, Martin's gym. What's it called? Like, <laughs> Zoo Culture. I've been up Zoo there. Zoo Culture, like that kind of vibe? Yeah. Uh, sort of, kind of. It's like, it's 
what I really liked about this one and why I joined it is because they had this outdoor area. So it was an outdoor gym and they were doing CrossFit. They did the bodybuilding stuff inside. And I love the outdoor area. Why? Because it's similar to like where I'm at now, big free open space and get people to move functionally. And I'll still take dumbbells and everything outside. So I'm this small guy around the gym. At that time, I was much younger. So I weighed even less. I weighed at that time, maybe like 155, 160. So I haven't gained much weight within then. Um, but like, I never really lifted heavy within the gym with all the other trainers. So then one day they, well, they always did it, but like take little jazz and be like, Oh, Sheldon can't lift this much. Sheldon can't do this and all this. And then like, yeah, I'll never take it personally. But like one day they were all just like, Oh yeah, let's see what our, uh, basic like one rep max is for everything. They were like, Oh, sure. You want to join? Was it going to be like 220 on deadlift? And like, I had already thought I could be a power lifter. Honestly, really did think so, but I couldn't. But like from when I you were always, like a younger kid in like high school and stuff, from like track. even at this stage, I just never lifted heavy in front of them. Like it was always just outside. But like I understood like um, the those small movements that I were doing were much better for my big lift, and I would do one rep max lifts every now and then just to see like the progression. So I knew where my numbers were going to be. So then, all right, so then we're doing it where all the trainers are there, and they were all doing them together. So we get on a squat rack. So we all go, we all go, we all go. They all go. And they're all like bodybuilders and different things like that. So then I get up and they put one plate on and it's like, all right, let's see if you can get this. And I'm like, come on, come on, don't, don't play me right now. So then we get up and then my one rep max at the time was 375 on the squat. So I was able to lift a whole lot and that's a full depth squat as well. So then we go to barbell as well. This is why I said, I thought I could be a power lifter, but they lift way more than that. So I was like, yeah, I have no shot at 160, but then we go to deadlift as well. And then my warm rep max at that time was, it was over five. I don't remember what the exact number was, but probably Just five. Just eating 35. plates. Yeah. So like Just we get up plate. to that point and it's not, yeah. yeah, I mean, they get sort of sloppy, but it's not like I'm going to like this rounded back and then it's shaking all the way right. up. Like they always are controlled. Why? Because I was able to just activate different muscles. I knew what I needed to do. So like some of those guys who were bodybuilders and thought they could lift heavy, couldn't even pass me in those PRs. The one I suck at, honestly, is bench press. I couldn't bench press more than like 215. I suck at that. But like, again, I was a functional player. I did basketball, football, all these different things in track. So my lower body was so strong versus them who were like really good at bench press. But like, yeah, my max bench press. But I think it's interesting because it's like the smaller, you know, you're working on the smaller muscles, right? And like at the end of the day, that all equals the output towards more power, right? Yeah. That's what we're trying to do in golf is we're trying to, at the end of the day, just like hit the ball farther, right? Yeah. So like that, that goes back to like what you said before. You look at Rory, you look at JT, you look at people like Will Valentores and all these different things like who are small. And if you put them on like an actual force plate and pressure plate, which we have access to in golf, you'll see the amount of power that they're able to put, whether it be uh, laterally in a horizontal uh, force or whether it be vertically, but you understand like where they produce their power, whether it be torque as well, which is the rotation of everything as far as like friction on the ground, like understanding where somebody gets their power from and then just really utilize that in the golf swing. It's like the better that you are, you can put them on the pressure plate, understand what their swing is and if they want more speed, which again, most people still need understand like if they're in season how we maintain and off season how we gain more power based upon the vertical force and all that but you'll see they're applying so much force into the ground because they are able to lift heavy it doesn't mean that they're lifting 550 they don't look big but the amount of pressure and the amount of efficiency that they have within their movement is much better than the the average amateur out there that thinks that they can hit it as far as or should be able to 
It'd be it'd be interesting to see, like you know, the average guy versus Rory. Because is it like all heat mapped out, or is it yeah. all just by? Oh yeah, so all of it. So it's it's really nerdy and good stuff. I love that type of stuff. Like I'm constantly researching more things. Like I don't know it like to a T, but basically, like it gives you your center of center of gravity, center of mass, um, the heat map as far as like where your feet are within that. Um, it gives you, of course, your vertical force, like the actual spike. It tells you how many pounds you're actually pressing into the ground. Let's say vertical force, you put like what 500 pounds of force, whatever the number might be lateral and then torque as well. So it gives you all these different things, like what you'll see mainly between an amateur and also load percentage as well. Like, as I said, loading patterns, the good players load pretty much. Does, does loading same. pattern. What does that mean? Like how much right or versus left you get kind of, or. Yeah, pretty much. So basically, let's say let's say somebody doesn't load well in their backswing, get them to like go into this uh, lateral loaded lateral lunge position, and then stay in that position and do like a cable row. Why? Just get them accustomed to like loading in that stage. Um, same thing as a slant board. I get them on the board, slant it to the right, turn over this side. Again, loading pattern. So it's just these little patterns. If it's whether it be lee leg or trail leg, get them loaded in that pattern. That way they are more accustomed to doing it in their swing just without them having to think about it so much. So that's what the loading pattern means. Um, and just getting them accustomed to like both sides, vertically loaded, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, so like between an amateur and a pro, like that loading in the backswing, that percentage is almost always the same. And they know what the number is being like. For myself, I can give you my numbers in my backswing. I reach a peak of 82%, never more than 82. Low end will be 79% in my backswing, backswing load. So I get to this stage and then I load all the way through. So like typically you need to know that number. What amateurs might do is like 64 on one. Ah, I'm not turning enough. That gets like 85, that gets a 90. They, they're all over the place. So then what you see on the heat map is like feet again are all off balance because they might be in the heel on one, might be in the toe, might be here, here, here. And then you'll see also like their center of mass shift and they have like this big circle through or like big squiggly lines all the way through. It's like their center of mass are completely different than your better players. Like understanding how that works and like how we can program around that. It's like, it's, it's so much that goes into it. That part I never really explain unless it's to like a pro golfer or anything like that because they want to know it. But like your, your, your amateur, I know about the information, but that's too complicated for them to understand. And then I know that I'm on the right path and I get them back on that pressure plate and I see their center of mass a little more like a straight line back or some type of here. You'll see like this little line that shifts, but they're loaded consistently as far as like percentage wise in the trail side, like same number, whether, whether you go above 85, 90, whatever it is, whatever that number is, keep it consistent. That's how we know that we right. have a consistent golf swing. But when you're all over yeah, the place. That's interesting. Uh, it's like that video. Have you seen Scotty Scheffler hit the drivers? At yeah. All on, I just saw it like a real, he, he hit it. He was like, oh, 302 carry. You yep. know what I mean? Next one, 307. Next yep. one, oh, I didn't get it. Like 290. It's probably similar to that. And, and like from a track man perspective, looking at these guys hit their numbers versus an amateur. Yeah. Like, oh, I topped it. I thinned it. Yeah. Right? I mean, their, their, their movement just absolutely dialed, right? Yeah. Compared to the average guy. So, so, so what you hear is so many times, I know, as you've been playing a long time as well, being a collegiate golfer, like you hear friends who may not be that good. It's like, ah, I keep looking up at the golf ball. And in my head, I'm always like, yeah, it's not a real thing. Annika Swornstam looks up before she, uh, before she hits the golf ball. It's like, that's not a thing. But then that's when I tell them like, again, well, not tell them, like, that's when I know like, all right, there's something functionally in the body that is not moving properly. You don't have a feel for it. 
that on the end of the track, man, is how I grew up as well. So, like, I grew up outdoors. My dad was a golf coach as well. It's so, like he taught me, taught me the fundamentals that I still use them to this day. But, like, I can play a full shot off field. Like, I can take the screen away off track, man, and I should know exactly where the ball flight is before the track man actually shows it up. Like, I'll have people hit no matter how good or bad they are. But, like, they don't really know field too much anymore. Um, they're just, they'll hit a drive and be like, ah, that's not that good. And I'm like, no, nah, it's going to be much better than you think it is. And it's, yeah, contact may, may not have been that great, but you got to understand, like, there's this gears effect and all these other nerdy things. But, like, understand, like, all right, it's going to move slightly. It's here. It's here. But understanding everything throughout, and that's how I feel about the body. Like, once you go on track, man, understand the numbers that, well, you don't have the numbers on the course, but understand the movement that you need to create whatever that is, like, carry wide 302. Uh, launch angle probably 16 this and that like these these definitive numbers that you'll have on the course but understanding like you can basically call them out and now once you get to the course you understand exactly what you're doing and with the body the same thing like understand like i didn't do this well it's because i'm not able to do this or i did not do this properly you should be able to call out your body as well like having full control over the body and the golf game as a whole so like that type of field thing like yeah that's if you ever get to that stage where scotty was at yeah you're you're dialed in so yeah, but it's interesting to see because, like, for the longest time, I mean, we're getting more and more tech in golf, which I think is awesome. I think it's really cool the TrackMan, the force plates, because at the end of the day, we're able to like quantify these feels, right? Yeah. Oh, I felt like I did this. I felt like I did that. But now we can actually say, well, you know, your launch angle was this. I mean, your club face or your fast was it was X Y Z. Therefore, you have this. I mean, we're able to quantify the feels now, which I think is badass, and we're doing it in fitness too. So it's gonna be interesting to see like where it all goes. And that's yeah. kind of my next question, man, is like, what's the future of all of this? Like, where do you see this going? Because you're at a state-of-the-art facility. You have the best tech. You have the best technology. You you um, have the best guys in your in your field that you get to work with. Like, what's next? I mean, you're on the cutting edge of all of this stuff. Uh, what's next? I mean, I, <laughs> this goes back to more of like within the company. Like, it, it's just continue to grow what we have like again we have something like great continue to grow the facilities continue to be a part of this team and, like help the team grow like we have a lot of different core values number one for me is the appreciation not just like appreciate the people there but like the one of the definitions of appreciate is to grow in value and to rise up from there so like i came in and then everybody else coming in can you appreciate what we have as far as like bring more value to the team bring more value and everything it's so, like for me it's the educational side of it like i, I love talking to other people, whether you are not as tenured of a coach as I am or well, fitness guy or coach, whatever it is, but like I can learn from any single person. Like you're never, you can never not learn from somebody else, no matter where they are. So like the, the next stages are just continue to grow as a trainer. Um, obviously like the, the fun part, I mean, there's no way to truly control this, but uh, of course you'd love to work with more professional golfers and things and like high caliber players of that sort. But also at the same time, I never want to give up like the the general person. Like I love working with my favorite, honestly, are uh, kids and older population. Uh, not to say I don't love the middle of the pack people, but like kids, you just get to see them grow over time, and then they have so much potential. And then honestly, for that older person, like who's later in life, like that six year old who's able to do stuff that I have like. Uh, those younger people do like of course little regress but like my one of my favorite exercises which I showcase a lot is a bird dog row why because you have a weight moving around you while you're on one knee one leg up in the air and one arm so like you're in this off-center position I had uh, 
69 year old and a 76 year old able to do it they weren't able to start there but like they're able to do that and they're it's all about the longevity can you play golf until you want to like instead of the club until like the clubs say oh you can't play anymore like you tell the clubs when you want to put it down like those are those That's are badass. amazing i love yeah. that because i want to yes. play golf till i'm freaking in my casket baby yeah <laughs> cremated <laughs> exactly. All right, so, decide to go. Man. Yes, like I know people who are out there, like still ninety year old, still playing. Like, but yeah. like, are they playing like great? Shooting no. their age, yeah, yeah. Like, can you just get out there and Maybe, play? Like, whether you're playing great or not, right. like just be out there, like walking the course as well. So, like, be be at that stage. Like, so <laughs> old school golf was like, oh, you can play golf forever. Golf is not a real sport. Golf, you can just do this. But then, as we find out, like, no, you actually have to condition your body. You're you are technically making a move that is not conventional for the body like you're rotating you're creating this amount of torque and then your body just snaps back in place it's like you're creating all this strain on your body and if you're not primed for it that's why low backs are just wrecked and all these different things like there are injuries from the actual golf swing so like it's it's being able to dictate when you want to put the clubs down as opposed to like your body telling you when you have to put the clubs down so like that's the number one rule whether you're 12 or whether you're 112 so like well probably won't be doing golf fitness at 112 but you, you yeah. get my point. Who like knows? The, the seven, who knows with yeah, who knows with technology and everything. So, <laughs> well, like, yeah, that's what I tell the 76-year-old, 80-year-old and all that. It's like, you're going to be doing the same things. Like, we're probably going to be doing less intensity. But overall, you're pretty much going to be doing the same thing. I'm going to have you do a cable row. Like, you're going to be less weight, but you're still going to learn how to move the body properly. That way, you, again, you can play forever. And those are, that's honestly the next stage. But, yeah, just continue to grow this company because it's a, it's a great company. They gave me my start. Again, it's only going to go continue to rise from here. Like everything that we've built, the team that we have around is amazing. So there's so many great people in there. And then for me, it's just honestly like using my platform as well. Of course, I've created my own brand, I guess you can say, on social media. But now it's like, how can I now utilize that to my advantage as far as like showcasing the team around me? It's like, again, I work with so many great people that, may not use social that i not may not they don't use social media like i do but like how can i now showcase them and like give them the appreciation and and everything as well give them that scope you get a lot of love online yeah i do so okay i I now want to showcase that for everybody else i want to talk about sheldon the golfer too i mean before we end this because like i was going through your your tiles and i saw like 68 at rams hill like which yeah. you, you mentioned your dad was an instructor growing up. Like you've obviously played a ton of golf. So like, yeah, you know, I know you have a young kid right now, but I, I just want to hear about Sheldon, the golfer now, like dude, 68 at Rams Hill is pretty dirty, right? I mean, yeah. So like what's this your was, handicap right now. Oh, right now I'm a scratch golfer at my peak. I was a plus 2.1. Um, so like I, I can vary. Like if, if I, depends on the time of day I'm playing on Sunday. So who knows what I'll shoot. I put up a thing of like, Oh, am I going to break 75 in my, where am I going to shoot 75 or less in my first round back? I didn't, I shot a 77, um, mainly just one stupid mistake of taking a triple, trying to go for a green. I was playing really, really well. Equal the first hole, three under through four. I was like, damn, I'm, I'm, damn. I'm striping it really well. And then I ended up going for a green double crossing. It's like, I mean, now I just play for fun. Um, I did do competitions, but probably next year, like as my son gets older, I'll probably have more time to actually like dedicate to, to actually playing and practicing. So I still like to compete. My brother plays as well. So like we do a four ball, uh, best ball tournament at the end of every year. It's like that, that's 
that's how I cap out my full season typically. So I'll probably do this even though I'm not doing any other tournaments. But yeah, the Rams Hill one was amazing. Um, honestly, so like how that happened was pretty funny. So I was because it I was said playing... course record for the people. It says course record sixty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so how that happened was I was playing amazing golf within that point in time. Um, prior to that, I was not, and then I went to go see my dad. I was like, all right, let me just take some time off because I wasn't enjoying how I was playing, like not super frustrated. I just wasn't enjoying like the rounds because I was like so lost. I went to go see my dad, took a lot of time off, a lot of time for me, which was probably like four months to just like really dial in the game, no rounds, practice the movement at home. Um, this is one tip I can give to all amateurs. Like I grew up playing four sports, so I didn't really have an off season to practice golf, but it still sticks to me to this day. Just practice the swing at home without ever hitting a golf ball because the golf ball, like it takes away what you actually need to work on because now you're looking at the ball for feedback when i was at home i would get home from basketball practice and i knew like i got golf season coming up at some point so just practice swing over and over in the mirror understand what i need to do so i did a lot of that within that four month period i used to do as a kid as well and then i went out to the course played before i got to round two and i played a pretty decent round shot like 74 or something like that and then i knew this was coming up got invited out to play in the ramature and then it was a fun event played with some friends did different content all these other things I'm playing I'm just I'm going low like I got an eagle I I'm, I didn't make any mistakes it was going to be my first bogey free round ended up bogeying hole number uh 17 which kind of frustrated me with my the, first the drive hole so I ended up uh blasting it through so I ended up going over and then had to go over the tree and then yeah so it was it was messed up for me but it ended up being really well so I get off and they're like, man, you went low. So everybody had to turn his score card. And they were like, man, you went low. So then the, I guess the superintendent, whoever it was, comes to me and is like, man, that's the course record. I just started laughing because I'm like, ah, no way. So 68, no chance that's the course record. He's like, yeah, ever since we started actually like keeping track of it, this is now the course record. So I'm like, no way. So like, yeah, tell me where you're from. We'll put it up on the website. I was like, oh man, let me look. So it's up on the website. The I say the bad part is I got to get back out there. The very next day in the tournament, uh, there was some guy who used to be an ex-professional golfer. He played poorly in his eyes. He missed a lot of putts and all this. I mean, he shot like 72 the first day or maybe even higher than that. Shot 67 the next day. So then I got knocked down. But, but I had it, <laughs> hey, you I had had it for a full day. Yep. That's <laughs> so, huge, man. That's awesome. But uh, my lowest round is 67. Um Still four under. It was a seven, par seventy one, but the number wise sixty seven. Um, grew up playing golf, so I started when I was three. Again, played all these different sports. So, actually, I hated golf growing up. To be honest with you, I thought it was the most boring thing. I was just really good at it, so I stuck with it. I ran track because my mom wanted me to run track. I hate running, but I was just really good at the two hundred meters. So I did things a lot just that I didn't actually truly enjoy. So then that's why I walked away from the game. So in twenty or two thousand and nine. When I graduated high school, I was like, yeah, I'm done. Not playing golf again. And in 2018, I started working at UGP. And I was like, I should probably start playing again because people are going to think I suck. So I was like, I got to show. So I started practicing again. I did suck. Like when I said it sucked, in my world, I was shooting like mid to low 80s, which wasn't good. And then I got really, really good because I actually just truly started to enjoy the game again. Like I wasn't competing. Um, I was just playing for fun. And then I started to get really good again go out and play with clients and different people, competed with people at the job. And I was, again, like really good shooting the 60s, 70s, not always in the 60s, but mainly main score, like average around 72 or 73. 
um, then sprinkle in some sixties, but got really that'll good. Get that. you to plus two. Yeah, that'll get Real you quick, to a plus right? two, and then sprinkle in that same. The reason why I got there is because that same year I shot three rounds in the sixties. Um, so, so yeah, it got really good. Um, and then from there, like found, tried to find love in competition, which I still haven't found. Um, like it's, it's a tedious thing. Like you really have to be in a good mental state to do it. Like, so I like propose to do it year round. It's, it's commending. I commend them. So like, that's why I do the, the team event with my brother, just because it's a fun event, but we're both really, really good. Um, so we always hope to qualify. So like, that's where Sheldon the golfer is right now, but I haven't played too much recently. So I'm an eight month year old. So he's taking a lot of time away from me. Um, of course with that. Uh, but like when he, when he's able to start walking and all that other stuff, best believe we're out on the course. So he's going to be putting while I'm practicing and everything. So he's going to grow up with it, whether he wants to continue with it or not, is just something that I know he's going to need later on in life. So as of now, I'm, 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 just playing for fun but again once october comes around my brother's gonna be like hey we're playing in this tournament i was like yeah let me get my game together so i'll be competing later in october to compete in that tournament and hopefully qualify again so that's where sheldon the golfer Wait, is did right you now. actually so, qualify for like the four ball oh yeah like in the Three, past right? two times yeah two times we qualified yeah. so um one of those rounds was a 69 so that a tournament round brings your handicap down even more so I think that plus 2.1 was inflated. It was just, again, having a really great day out there. But, like, yeah, we've, we've qualified, and last year we didn't, but this year we hope to qualify. So he's that's really awesome. good. I'm really good. So, like, you that's don't put any, well, I guess you, you put some of that on your Instagram, but a lot of it is mostly, you know, like fitness-related stuff, right? Yeah, it's mainly fitness-related. Like, um, at UGP, I do some coaching as well. As I said, my dad is a golf coach, so I understand the swing as a whole. I don't advertise my coaching side of it because I work with three people, all that I work with in the gym. So like they trust me enough to understand, like I'm really good at the game of golf. I can understand how to explain it. Cause I like, in the gym. They would ask certain questions. I'd be like, no, this is what we need. This is what we need. This is what we need. And then they were just like, can you actually coach me? Yes, I can. So I work with them there. So like there's, there's some coaching aspects of it, but my dad knows how to coach. So like, if I ever get stuck, which man, it doesn't happen too much anymore because I'm constantly like researching the coaching side more now because I want to understand how coaches think and that helps me relate it to fitness side. Um, that way, I can always have something to go back on as far as like all these different uh, modalities. I guess you can say like what coaches want to see, and that that's how I know what to work on in the body. But like, that's what I do for them. So like, understand how the body needs to move, and then understand that. So I do coaching as well. But yeah, the golf so swing was like biomechanics as well, as oh, far as super, like super studying into biomechanics. It. Oh yeah, but. super into it. So like people in the industry, you got of course Scott Land is like one of the biggest people. That's that's swing cats. Like all these different people who are really really good. But then also at the same time looking at these high level coaches as well and how they coach and different things like that because I can still take bits and pieces from there and understand like my even though my dad is not out there as like a top 100 coach in, in america i'm biased but i think he's one of the best coaches of course he got me to where i am and he's really really good it's like it's very simple but very understandable for everybody and how we move and how we get the club in a better position and things like that but uh sometimes of course we can always be lost in like the complexity of it as far as like we got to do this this and this and this and that that amateur doesn't exactly know what they need to do. So like, yeah, so I, I love the biomechanics of it because 
again, it's always what I'm going to come back to. I'm a fitness guy at heart, but I also know how to coach and I know how to play play golf really, really well. So I would never be shy of saying like, yeah, I'm a good coach, but I'm also a better trainer as well. And I'm also a really good golfer as well. So I understand the struggles that you're at because I understand where I was at, what you need to do and what you need to do to get there. So if some, not many if guys somebody, can say that, man, to have yeah. like that three prong approach is pretty unique. Cause a lot of guys, you know, maybe specialize in one or, you know, have two, but you have all three, like that's pretty badass. You know? Yeah. So like, that's why I love, like, even in the industry, like when I got in there, there is quite a few people um, that I reached out to just because I wanted to like learn from them. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so I reach out to them, even though they may not play golf, they're very, very knowledgeable as far as fitness goes. And they were able to help people like pros um, amateurs because they understand how the body worked better than I did. I knew the golf swing really well. Um, and I knew how to do that. And that's what helped me along the way. But then it wasn't until I really started like research and study and learning all these different things, learning from other people. And as I said, people that are much smarter than me, then I can actually progress my craft as far as the fitness side. So, and then again, what helps is me being a really good golfer, understanding how you actually need to move depending on body types. As you said, body types are different know one way to do it but understand put your body in this position what works for this person may not work for you so right from a biomechanics sort of mentor perspective are there any guys you really like to listen to or you think are kind of like leading the sort of industry because it's becoming more and more popular now you know there was like a boom of biomechanics everyone talking about biomechanics with bryce you know guys like bryson chris stuff like that so is there anyone you kind of like look to as sort of uh you know, your favorite biomechanics guy to kind of listen uh, from and, and learn Scott from. Scott Lynn, Will Wu, um, those two guys that I'm drawing a blank on the other guy. But yeah, th- those guys are amazing. What they explain is great. Um, yeah, it's, it's complicated, but it's very simple in the way like if you're in the industry, you can understand it. If you're outside the industry, you don't know like all the body parts and everything as far as that. It might be tough to understand, but like understanding like force production, again, understanding like how the body moves, what happens if you change the body sequence, what happens with this, like it's just connecting the dots all the way up the chain. Um, and then that's why I love people like Chris Como as far as a coach wise, because he's constantly out there like showcasing all these different people. And then he's constantly learning as well. It's like, this is somebody who's at the top of the, the chain, I guess you can say as far as like working with pros and like out there as far as a name and then he's still working with other people and still learning from other people so like that's that's where i want to be like no matter how quote-unquote big i get i'll never be too big to learn from somebody else so like that's why everybody has a story um again no matter how tender that you are you came from a different background whether it be you came from football performance basketball performance you worked a certain way that can then go into golf fitness, I guess you can say, because it's still athletic performance. So it's me constantly learning from those guys, um, coaches, as I said, and just constant search for knowledge, honestly. Yeah, that's why I started the pod. And that's why it's called figuring it out is like, I'm trying yeah. to learn from guys like, like you, I mean, you say, quote, unquote, big, but I don't know, I admire what you've done, like golf, Do- golf digest top 50 trainers is a big deal, you know, plus two. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're just an awesome guy, man. So I appreciate. I really that, just man. want to thank I, you I for coming on. I hope to get back to that plus yeah. two. Hopefully, like hopefully within the next year, I can uh, get back. Well, to that you're, we're going to be playing in June. You said I right? know in we June, are. Yeah, we're going. We're definitely going to be out there. I'm coming down in June. Um, All right, so, I'll book a time somewhere. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. And then we'll have, we'll showcase it for the whole world, and then we'll do our whole by whole vlog. Why not? So we'll put it out there yeah. for everybody. 
We'll bring the 4K cameras. Yeah, maybe. why let's not? Go. Let's just do it. I haven't done any of those yet, so let's do it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, Sheldon. I really appreciate you, my man. Of I learned course. a lot. And oh, yeah, by the way, I mean, if people want to get a hold of you um, any, or anything else you want to talk about, like kind of closing thoughts. For anybody who's looking to get into the industry, it might seem like it's oversaturated or whatever it is. Get in there. And then my first first thing I say is whatever gym you go to or whatever it is in the golf fitness industry, or even if you're in general population, find somebody smarter than you, honestly, and then just shadow them, like shadow them, understand what they're doing, constantly ask questions. Like, I don't think anybody is ever offended. Like if you're constantly shadowing them, asking more questions, like people are flattered by that. So like, if you're good in an industry, find somebody smarter than you, feel free to reach out to me. I've, I'm always open. Again, I'm not, I'm not big time at all. So like I've had people reach out um, and say like, Hey, I'm going to industry. You have any advice? And then they always thank me afterwards. I'm like, you don't have to thank me. I'm, I'm just a regular guy that started just like you. So like find people to, to shadow, find people smarter than you constantly ask questions, constantly do those type of things. And then just like take the leap and then you never know where you can go. And then find what you're really passionate at. Um, because some people get into the industry and find that they're not passionate about it. Like, that's fine. But at the same time, like if, if you love it, like go full throttle, like never stop learning. Always, always just keep going from there. So like um, one thing I always say, just be comfortable being uncomfortable just because like, that's how I started. Like that was a very uncomfortable early on. And then eventually just be, be comfortable with it and just constantly stepping outside of your comfort zone to grow. Good lesson for life too. Yeah. Was that David Goggins or I saw that. It was it was something where it's just like uh, very early on. I had a lot of talks like within UGP, so then it was just something I said. I was like, hmm, "This is pretty catchy. I think I can go with that." So then it just became like be comfortable being uncomfortable because like then that's why I started the social media. It was like I'm not comfortable doing this, but hey, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna showcase it, and I'll probably catch a lot of heat for it because everything is like dissected in in social media. So people are gonna look at it like, "Oh, why are you doing this?" And then. Luckily, I actually haven't had that. But then again, I don't know how many people care. And I don't actually care anymore either. I post it, get it out there. You take her face value. As I said, like, I don't post a lot about the explanation of it. But once you come in, as we heard in here, I'm able to explain everything in detail. So it's not that I'm lacking the knowledge. It's just that I use social media for a different purpose. It's just to keep me comfortable. It's yeah, it it's, a it's a tool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, though. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. Because there's just so much growth that has to take place in that uh, comfort zone. I mean, you can't grow, you can't progress if you're not challenging yourself, whether it's social media or, you know, starting a bit, you know what I mean? You always have to grow in life. And that's why I'm so in into fitness as well, because it's just like all this all encompassing thing, you know, it's like live fitness, golf. It's like this really great synergy. So dude, thank you again. So yeah, 100%. Much for coming I really appreciate you. No, I appreciate the invite, man. Well, we'll get out there soon, and then uh, we'll let everybody know that we linked up. Plus, we'll show... give me some strokes, dude. <laughs> if you're plus two or scratch, give me like I don't know. We'll figure it out, right? I I feel like I got to get the strokes. I'm the one that had the baby. I haven't played much, you know. Baby. I might be sleep deprived <laughs> the night before. Who knows? <laughs> so we'll figure it out. We'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, we will.